Hey, everybody. Welcome to the HTO podcast. Thank you for stopping by. Let's get to it today. Today, we are going to study Romans chapter 12 from the voice translation, and you can get that on BibleGateway.com. Again, that's the voice translation. So we're going to think about today. Why do we do this? Why do we just, why do we need to read the Bible? Why is this so important? So what is our why? If you have your Bible, I want you to study your Bible with me. Take out your pencils, your highlighters, your apps, tablets, whatever you need. We're going to do this together, but we need to establish our why. And that is found in John chapter 17, verse three. And this is in the amplified. And this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, recognize, become acquainted with and understand you, the only true and real God, and likewise to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. So that verse establishes our why. We do this so that we can get to know God and get to know the one whom he has sent. So with that said, we're going to jump in and do what I call scripturally focused breathing. And that's where you have an opportunity. When you're studying your Bible, go ahead and light a candle, do whatever you need to do so that you are comfortable. But we're just going to breathe through our nose slowly and then we'll exhale slowly. So I'll give you a count on the count of three. And then when I do that, I'm going to read a scripture to you several times. And then that'll allow us to just settle down using his word as our focal point as we focus. So if you're ready on the count of three, inhale nice and slow. One, two, three. Exhale through your nostrils slowly. Slow it down. And Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. That's Romans 16, 20. Inhale slowly for three. Exhale through your nostrils slowly for seven. And we read, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Inhale for three. Nice and deep. Exhale for seven. Last time, Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Okay. And the reason why we do that is because we know man has put a lot of labels on a lot of things. But one thing that we need to be reminded of is that there was no such thing called oxygen. The breath that we breathe is literally the ruah or the breath of God. And so every time we breathe and we combine that with his word, we settle our spirits and remind ourselves that God is with, his, with us and that his very breath 
sustains us. So we've, we've actually had an opportunity. I hope you're feeling the spirit of God just there with you. He indwells on the inside. So let's just enter into a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we continue to be reminded that you are everything. God, you are all that we need. You are the center of our lives and the center of our joy. You are the center of everything. You are the center of our homes. God, be magnified today and every day. Lord, we thank you. And in you, we live, we move, and we have our being. Father, remind us every day of who we are in you. Remind us of our identity and divine assignment. Father, we thank you for creating us as ambassadors of heaven. May we represent you well. God, may we walk in the power and the authority you have designated unto us. Father, I thank you for being our royal king and high priest. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells and lives on the inside of us. Father, we agree with you. We thank you that you rule with your mighty scepter in your hand. In the name of Jesus, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In the name of Jesus, we decree that we will go forth by your mighty strength and power. Father, strengthen your kingdom like never before. In the name of Jesus, we recognize that you rule and reign. May your kingdom continue to spread and dominate. We thank you for you are... Who, who you continue to be in our lives and in Christ's holy, mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Now this just brings us to an opportunity to just worship God. You know, when we worship God, we tell him that he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our honor and respect. We revere him. We devote our lives to him. We say that he is worthy. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's everything in between. We devote ourselves to God. So right where you are right now, just lift up your voice. You can sing if you want to, or you don't want to. You don't have to sing. Worship doesn't require singing. It's just one of the outflows. You know, it's just different. We use different songs. There's a song that I tend to like by uh, Ruben Stutter called The Center of My Joy. Many people have listened to this song, and you could possibly find this song on Spotify. Again, that's Ruben Stutter, and it's just the lyrics are so beautiful and it just says jesus you're the center of my joy all that's good and perfect comes from you you're the heart of my contentment hope for all i do jesus you're the center of my joy. And then that next verse, if you know it, sing along with me. It says, when I've lost my direction, you're the compass for my way. You're the fire and light when nights are long and cold. In sadness, you are the laughter that shatters all my fears. When I'm all alone, your hand is there to hold. 
Come on, say it with me. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment. Hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Remember, you can listen to that version with uh, Reuben Stutter and you can continue your worship right where you are. But for time's sake, we're going to go ahead and continue on. We're going to start today and we are going to look at one of the names of God. You know, I like to study the names of God because it reminds us of who he is. And so today we are going to look at one of the names of God and it's called Jehovah Baal, B-A-A-L, Parazim. It sounds like you're saying praise him, but you're not. It's Jehovah Baal, praise him. And so it says the Lord God who bursts through. You can find this in your Bible if you want to turn to 2 Samuel 5 and verse 20. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation and it states, so David went to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it. David exclaimed, he burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who burst through. So I don't know about you. I need God to burst through on my behalf. Another version that you can look at, and again, you can find this on BibleGateway.com, and that's the literal standard version. So you can take a look at that at your own convenience. So Let's look at and take an outline from of this chapter that we're reading today. And like I said, you can pause the video and write this down, or you can again find it on BibleGateway.com. So the verse, first few verses, uh, the topic is there is still a remnant chosen by God. And then starting at verse seven, uh, the topic is, but the rest were hardened by God. And then verses 11 through 15, and Israel did not stumble so as to fall. And then the next section ending at verse 21, their branches were broken off by unbelief and you were grafted in by faith. And then we have, they will be regrafted in if they believe. That's verses 22 through 24. All Israel will be saved, verses 25 through 27. They are beloved to God, 28 through 29. They will be shown mercy, verses 30 through 32. And oh, the depths of God's wisdom to he, him be the glory, verses 33 through 36. And so that just will jump us off and give us an idea of what we will be reading today. Again, we we can read together, Bible study together with me, Romans chapter 11, from the voice translation. Now, there are a few strategies that you can use when you are going through the Bible. Go ahead and stop and synthesize, and we'll do that together today. We'll read, highlighting your Bible verses that speak to you. If there's something you don't understand, underline it, highlight it, uh, jot down questions, and watch and see how the Holy Spirit will help you find the answers. Highlight words that you need to define. You can do a Bible uh, word study 
on BibleHub.com, BibleGateway.com, and some other uh, websites. Uh, in your own words, try to write or verbalize what you read. And here's one of my favorite things to do, write out life verses. Those are verses that you know that you want to remember forever. So if you're ready, Again, we're reading from the voice translation, and we are going to start reading with Romans chapter 11. Verse one. Now I ask you, has God rejected his people? Absolutely not. I'm living proof that God is faithful. I'm an Israelite. Abraham's my father and Benjamin's my tribe. God has not and will not abandon his covenant people. He always knew they would belong to him. Don't you remember the story of what happens when Elijah pleads with God to deal with Israel? The scriptures tell us his protests. And then here Paul is getting ready in verse three to give a quote from Elijah. So let's pause for a moment. In your Bible, go ahead and highlight the phrase rejected his people. Highlight God is faithful. Highlight abandoned his covenant people. Highlight belong to him and the name Elijah. Okay. And so what do we pull out of this? We look at what the historical account is, and then we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. So when you highlight rejected as people, well, that applies to you and I, God will never reject us. And so we also looked at highlighting God is faithful. So he's faithful to us, just like he was faithful to the Israelites. He's faithful to the Gentiles. He's faithful to us. And then Paul is reminding us that he will not abandon his covenant people. So once we have come into covenant with God, we can be assured that he will not abandon us and that we belong to God, that we belong to God. And so if you look, uh, we highlighted the, the name Elijah because we're going to look at verse three where Paul quotes Elijah. And this quote Paul is taking from actual first Kings chapter 19 verse 14 so let's continue with verse 3 Lord they have murdered your prophets they have demolished your altars and I alone am left faithful to you now listen to Elijah say that now they are seeking to kill me close quote so here Paul picks back up in verse 4 how does God answer his pleas for help so Paul is saying how does he answer Elijah and then he Paul continues he says I have held back 7,000 men who are faithful to me none have bowed a knee to worship Baal the same thing is happening now God has preserved a remnant elected by grace verse 6 grace is central in God's action here and it has nothing to do with deeds prescribed by the law if it did grace would not be grace man that's powerful so in your bible highlight uh faithful to me and then circle with a different color bail we're going we're gonna to find out again, what, what, what does Paul mean when he says they did not bow a knee to worship Baal? And then highlight has preserved a remnant elected by grace. So in verse four, Paul is quoting from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 
18. So what is, who's Baal? And Baal was, and you can find this on uh, Christianity.com and Britannica.com. Baal was designated as the universal God of fertility. And in that capacity, his title was Prince or Lord of the Earth. He was also called the Lord of Rain and Dew. In artistic depictions and archaeological finds, Baal took the shape of a bull or a ram. So now we see why, you know, Paul is saying, hey, or that God's response to Elijah was, I've held back 7,000 men who've never bowed the knee and worshiped to Baal. It's almost like he's saying, Elijah, calm down. You know, don't don't get too deep, Elijah, because I have seven thousand men. So let's see, law. Let's reflect. Let's. You can do a silent reflection here. You can pause this and pick back up from um, where you left off. So here's some questions: Have you ever felt rejected or abandoned by God? You know, and it's just a good place to just be honest and you know get before God and just tell Him how you feel. And then do you believe that God is faithful to you? You know, just honestly, if we were to take sit down with ourselves and with God and ask ourselves those questions, we could like my uh, pastor would say, we could locate where we are. So listen to this note in the voice translation. In every generation, God makes sure a few survive the onslaught of judgment. The prophet's call these the remnant. Paul sees himself living in a critical moment as fewer and fewer Jews pledge obedience to Jesus. But the anointed's emissary, that's Paul, finds comfort in realizing how God's faithfulness is playing out in his day. If you ever think that you alone are faithful to God, that somehow God has forgotten his covenant promises, think again. He always has a remnant. So let's continue with verse seven. Now, what does all this mean? Israel has chased an end. It has never reached. They've chased an end. It has never reached. Yet those chosen by God through grace have reached it while all others were made hard as stones. The scriptures continue to say it best. God has confounded them so they are not able to think, given them eyes they do not see and ears that do not hear down to this very day. And then he's going to quote, Paul's going to quote in verse nine, he's going to quote David. So verse eight was a good cross reference. You can write down is Isaiah 29, 10, write down Deuteronomy 29, verse four. And then from verse nine, a good cross reference that we're getting ready to read is found in Psalm 69, 22, verse 23. So Paul is getting ready to quote David from Psalm chapter 69, verse 22 through 23. So let's read verse nine. David says it this way. Let their table be turned into a snare and trap, an obstacle to peace and payback for their hostility. Let their bright eyes become cloudy, darkened so they cannot see and bend their proud backs through it all. So again, that's the quote that Paul is using and he's using it for his argument right now. He's using it um, in, in, the, in his argument as he's writing out this letter in Romans chapter 11. So let's continue. So I ask, 
Did God's people stumble and fall off the deep end? Absolutely not. They are not lost forever. But through their misconduct, the door has been opened for salvation. Let's pause before we go on. Highlight, they are not lost forever. That is important. You know, for us, that we, it ministers to us that when we fall or we make mistakes, we're never lost forever. That God is faithful to us. So let's continue with that verse again. Let's start again with verse 11. So I asked, did God's people stumble and fall off the deep end? Absolutely not. They are not lost forever. But through their misconduct, the door has been opened for salvation to even to the outsiders. This has been part of God's plan all along. And so is the jealousy that comes when they realize the outsiders have been welcomed into God's new covenant. Verse 12. So if their misconduct leads ultimately to God's riches coming to the world, and if their failure turns into the blessing of salvation to all people, then how much greater will be the riches and blessing when they are included fully? So let's break this down. Highlight welcome into God's new covenant. Highlight in verse 12, the blessing of salvation. So what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about the Israelites who have refused to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And he says to, to in this letter that there's a jealousy that will come when they realize, quote, the outsiders. Who's the outsiders? The Gentiles. And so we highlighted the phrase, welcome into God's new covenant. As Gentiles, we have been welcomed into God's new covenant. And then in verse 12, in 12, Paul reminds us that we have the blessing of salvation, that God's riches coming into the world and, and the, the rejection that some Israelites has caused there to be a blessing of salvation to all people. That includes you and I. And then Paul ends it with a question in verse 12 and saying, well, if the rejection, I'm paraphrasing, if the rejection did this, then what's going to happen when they are included, the Israelites included fully, when they all come or if they all come to accepting Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So let's continue with verse 13. But I have this to say to all of you, who are not ethnic Jews. I am God's emissary to you. And I honor this call by focusing on what God is doing with and through you. I do this so that somehow my own blood brothers and sisters will be made jealous and that I trust will bring some to salvation. If the fact that they are currently set aside resolves the hostility between God and the rest of the world, what will their acceptance bring if not life from the dead? All right, so here we go. Let's highlight in verse 15, resolves the hostility between God and the rest of the world. Now that ministers to us today. If you are saved, I'm, I'm saved. The, the hostility that was between God and mankind has been fixed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us that. And then he's saying, all of you who are not ethnic Jews, that means you're not Jews by birth, by birth. And then he says, I've been called to be your emissary. I've been called to focus on what God is doing with and through you. 
And so he also saying, I, and I can do this. I'm paraphrasing. I can do this because my own Israelite blood brothers and sisters, if it provokes them to jealousy, maybe that'll bring them to salvation, man. That is powerful. So Paul has um, a, a concern, even though he's been sent to the Gentiles, he is concerned with his Israelite brothers and sisters. And so we like that phrase where it says, you are nourished by the root of the cultivated olive tree. You're going to see that coming up in the next few verses. So let's continue. In verse 16, if the first and best of the dough you offer is sacred, the entire loaf will be as well. If the root of the tree is sacred, the branches will be also. Imagine some branches are cut off of the cultivated olive tree and other branches of a wild olive, which represents all of you outsiders, are grafted in their place. You are nourished by the root of the cultivated olive tree. All right, so here we go. Look at verse 16. Highlight it. The first and best of the dough you offer to sacred, the entire loaf will be as well. And then highlight the last part of verse 17. You are nourished by the root of the cultivated olive tree. So now he's saying, he's saying here, when he talks about the first and best of the dough, you can think of that as the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's saying that the Israelites were the first and that they are, are sacred and that the entire loaf, that means he's using metaphors here. The entire kingdom will be as well. And then he reminds us that the root of the tree is sacred. You could even think of that as Jesus Christ, the root, the foundation of the kingdom of God. It's sacred. So the branches, we are the branches, will be also. And then in verse 17, he's saying, imagine that some branches, so what is he saying there of the cultivated olive tree? Um, those branches are cut off. Those are the ones who the Israelites are, are who do not believe. And you really can think of that even outside of just being an Israelite, even Gentiles, when you think about today, will be cut off if they do not believe. If they do not believe. And then Paul's remind us, reminding us and saying that, you know, this, this metaphor that Gentiles are grafted in their place and that Gentiles are nourished by that same foundation. And he calls it the cultivated olive tree. So Gentiles, again, are those that are not ethnic Jews. So again, Paul was using these metaphors to help us see how the kingdom of God is designed by almighty God himself. So look at verse 18. It doesn't give you license. Now he's talking to the Gentiles here now. It doesn't give you license to become proud and self-righteous about the fact that you've been grafted in. If you do boast, remember that the branches do not sustain the root. It is the system of roots that nourishes and supports you. I can almost hear some of you saying branches had to be pruned to make room for me. So look at that. Paul is addressing the Gentiles because maybe in that time, Gentiles were becoming a little prideful and he had to remind them through this letter and saying, hey, it's not you Gentiles who support the, the cultivated olive tree. It's the roots. 
And the roots um, it are the Israelite people and, and the patriarchs and all of that. You know, Christ said, I come to the lost house of Israel. Right. There was a time in the Bible where he even instructs the disciples go to the Israelites first. And then Paul comes along and then he's sent to be a uh, emissary to the Gentiles. And so Paul is writing here in verse 18 and 19 saying, Hey, don't let pride, don't let pride. And that can even apply to us today. We've been grafted in, but it's not by our works. Lest any man can boast. It is through our faith in the finished works of Jesus Christ, Christ. So let's continue with verse 20. Yes, they were. They were removed because they did not believe and you will stay attached, be strong and be productive only through faith. So don't think too highly of yourselves. Instead, stand in awe of God's mercy. Besides, we know that God did not spare the natural branches. So there is no reason to think he will spare you. Verse 22, witness the simultaneous balance of the kindness and severity of our God. Severity is directed at the fallen branches withering without faith, man. So highlight in your Bibles and you will stay attached. Be strong and be productive only through faith. Highlight standing off God's mercy. Highlight branches withering without faith. So Paul is saying that, yes, hey, Gentiles, yes, the, uh, some were removed because they did not believe, but you will only stay attached and you will only be strong and you will only be productive through your faith in what Christ has already done. And then he warns them again to, hey, don't get prideful. You need to stand in God's mercy. And so that applies for us. We don't, we're not prideful. We stand in the mercy of God. We stand in awe of what he has done. And then at the last verse, verse 22, he's saying that, you know, branches withering out without faith, that it's a choice that God is both kind and severe at the same time. He's both merciful and just at the same time and that it is important that we remember that it is by faith that we are even connected and through the grace and mercy of God we do not want to be branches withering without faith so we just see law for a moment take a silent reflection if you need to and pause this podcast so here are some questions do you feel attached to God do you feel strong in God do you feel productive in God? And there, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what you feel. And you present that before God. Here's another question to reflect. What do you do when you feel your faith withering? And then have you ever felt challenged in your faith walk with God? Has there been times in your life where you were tempted to turn away from God? You know, we all have those times and those moments. So let's continue the last part of verse 22. Yet kindness is directed at you. So live in the kindness of God or else prepare to be cut off yourselves. If those branches that have been cut from the tree do not stay in unbelief, then God will carefully graft them back onto the tree because he has the power to do that. 
So if it is possible for you to be taken from a wild olive tree and become part of a cultivated olive tree, imagine how much easier it would be to reconnect branches that originally grew on the olive tree. So here we go. What can we highlight? Highlight the phrase, so live in the kindness of God. So through these verses, you see the metaphor that he's using. He's using two trees, the olive tree and then the cultivated olive tree. The olive tree represents Gentiles who were not grafted in or invited uh, originally. Well, you know, we know John three sixteen for God so loved the world, right? So it was always his plan. So Paul is telling us and reminding us even today, live in the kindness of God. And then he says in 23, that even though there are some Israelites that who to this day may be an unbelief, but once they turn their hearts to God, God will graft them back in because what? He has the power to do it. And then verse 24, he's saying that imagine when uh, some of our Israelite brothers and sisters reconnect and come back, come to Jesus Christ by faith. Just imagine how easy it's going to be for God to connect them back into the kingdom because they were the original uh, metaphorically branches. So listen to this note in the voice translation. The cultivated olive tree provides Paul with a beautiful image of how believing Jews and non-Jews were or organically connected in the plan of God. Life flows from the earth to the branches, some natural, some grafted in through the rootstock. Paul wants to make sure the grafted branches. Now, again, remember, no, they have not arrived on their own. That's Gentiles. Their spiritual life and vitality flow from the root, which is Israel. God is the farmer who has tenderly grafted them into the sturdy stock on the basis of faith. He's talking about the Gentiles. So pride and arrogance are completely out of place for those grafted branches. They will bear fruit only as they remain connected by faith to the stock. So that applies to us. Only by faith do we produce. Only by faith do we produce. So let's continue with verse 25. My brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be in the dark about this mystery. I am going to let you in on the plan so that you will not think too highly of yourselves. A part of Israel has been hardened to the good news until the full number of those outside the Jewish family have entered in. This is the way that all of Israel will be saved as it was written. So it is also stands. And so he's going to quote again from the Old Testament. So in verse 25, you can highlight hardened to the good news. So what is Paul saying? He's saying here that to the Gentiles, that there's a plan in the works that we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, but that they've been hardened to the good news. Jews, the Israelites have been hardened, the Jewish family to the good news. And that this is the way that all Israel will be saved. Now, when they say all Israel, there's some debate as to what is that all absolute? We already know that that's not the case. That's not saying that every last Israelite will be saved. Okay, so keep that in mind. So Paul is going to quote. Uh, 
The deliverer will come from Zion. Now that comes from, uh, again, when we look back at verse 26, this is a note from the Baker Illustrated Bible Handbook. God's plan of narrowing the chosen nation down to the crucified Messiah is his way of saving all people, both Jews and Gentiles. Listen to this who put their faith in Christ. So that's why we know it's not an absolute all because not all men will put their faith in Christ. So let's continue. He will drive away wickedness from Jacob. And this is my covenant promise to them on the day when I take away their sins. Verse 28. It may seem strange when it comes to the work of the gospel, the fact that they oppose it, it, it is actually for your benefit. But when you factor in God's election, they are truly loved because they descended from faithful forefathers. You see, when God gives a grace gift and issues a call to a people, he himself does not change his mind and take it back. So let's just stop there for a second. So Paul, again, is quoting. If you look at verse 27, you can highlight the word sins. And write down this cross reference, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 20 through 21. And then in verse 28, highlight they are truly loved. So that applies to us, just like it applies to the Israelites. And he was writing this. That applies to us. We are truly loved. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 29, that when God gives a grace and a call, he does not change his mind. And so you can highlight in your, that verse so you can be reminded when he has given and extended his grace to you and a call and his giftings, he will not change his mind nor take it back. We are the only ones that can get in the way of that. So let's continue with verse 30. There was a time when you outsiders were disobedient to God and at odds with his purpose. Now, remember, Paul is referring to outsiders as Gentiles. But now you have experienced mercy as a result of their disobedience. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Israelites. We Gentiles receive mercy because of the disobedience of the non-believing Israelites. And then verse 31, in the same way, their disobedience now will make a way for them to receive mercy as a result of the mercy shown to you. So Paul's saying in verse 31, okay, it's going to flip flop. So their disobedience, once they become into the faith and believe, right, that there will be mercy shown to them. And then look at verse 32, for God has aligned all of us together. Powerful. Jews and non-Jews, insiders and outsiders to disobedience so he can show mercy to us all. Oh, man, that's so good. So listen to a note again from the voice translation. Paul says that God's mysterious plan for the ages is being revealed as the number of outsiders swells in the churches and as a part of Israel is hardened, at least for a time. But let's not forget that hardening is not God's unilateral action. Whatever hardening takes place happens first on our side before God reluctantly agrees. So for a good example of that, think about Pharaoh, where it says in the Old Testament that God hardened his heart. Well, he was already hardened. 
God already saw his attitude towards the Israelites in the beginning. So this note is reminding us that he will not arbitrarily harden us. It's he sees disobedience in us ahead of time, you know, and, and I won't say us, I'll say it any person who has already decided to set their mind against him. He will allow that heart to be hardened. So let's continue with the note. That part of Israel now hardened has already rejected God's anointed. Yet when the full complement of non-Jewish outsiders enters God's kingdom, all Israel will be saved. Now remember what they mean by all. Listen to this. But clearly all Israel cannot mean every last Jew because Paul has already shown that not every son or daughter of Abraham is an heir to the promise. So all you have to do for that as examples, think of Ishmael, you know, he was blessed, but he was not the promise. It was Isaac that was the promise to Abraham. So let's continue with verse 33. We cannot wrap our minds around God's wisdom and knowledge. Its depths can never be measured. We cannot understand his judgments or explain the mysterious ways that he works. Man, highlight all of that. That applies to us today. And then again, he's going to quote for continue with verse 34. Who can fathom the mind of the Lord or who can claim to be his advisor or who can give to God in advance? That's also write this down. He is quoting from Isaiah 40 verse 13 and Job 41 11. Listen to that quote again. Who can fathom the mind of the Lord or who can claim to be his advisor or who can give to God in advance so that God must pay him back? Man, that's good. Verse 36, for all that exists originates in him, comes through him and is moving toward him. So give him the glory forever. Amen. Man, Paul sure does know how to end a letter. So as we've ended this chapter, I hope you can go back in your Bible and see all your highlights and, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to give you new insight and revelation. This is the Holy Word of God, and it is uh, alive and powerful. And as we allow it, it will minister to us today, a letter written to Rome, to Gentiles and the Jewish audience by the Apostle Paul can minister to us today. So we're going to look at the faithfulness of God. It's always good when you're done is just take a little spotlight and, and shine it on some other scriptures to see how it ties in. So if we look at 1 Corinthians 1 and 9, it says God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes, he is faithful. And then 2 Timothy 2 verse 13 in the King James Version. If we believe not, come on, listen to this. Yet he abideth faithful. God is a faithful God. And so as we continue to end this session today, we are reminded in Joshua 1.8 that the book of the law 
shall not depart from our mouth, but we shall meditate on it day and night so that we may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, listen to this, we'll make when then we'll make our way prosperous and then we will have good success. That is Joshua 1 and 8. So I pray that you have been blessed by this. If you are listening, you're under the sound of my voice and you are not saved. I pray right now that you accept the invitation to be birthed into the kingdom of God. This is Romans 10, 9 and thir- through 13. And you can read this in the amplified version of the Bible. It will give you such clarity. But if you want to step into God's kingdom right now, repeat after me. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I recognize his power, authority, and majesty as God. I believe in my heart, God, that you raised him from the dead. God, and because of that, I am saved. Father, I believe in my heart that Christ has justified me. He has made me right. He has made me free of guilt and sin, and he's made me acceptable to God. So with my mouth today, God, I acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and this results in my salvation. God, according to verse 11, You say in your word that whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. God, so for for this day forward, I will not be disappointed because I have been born into the kingdom. God, thank you that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. You are the same Lord of us all. And lastly, here's your repeat. I have called on the name of the Lord and therefore I am saved. So today, right now, and even if you want to pause the podcast, who is the Holy Spirit bringing to your mind right now? If they are not saved, pray for their salvation. Or maybe you have someone in your your life that's saved, but they you want to decree or declare a word over them. They may need a, uh, you to come in agreement with them uh, for a healing. We just all need to be reminded that we're all called to intercessory prayer. For in his word, he says, pray ye one for one for another. And so today I pray you have been blessed. I pray you share this podcast, share it with your family, your friends, your co-workers. I pray that the word of God is an enjoyable experience for you when you study, that you allow him to speak to you in the quiet place. It says, my voice is a still quiet voice and that we need to be reminded of the scripture to be still. And know that he alone is God. So as we wrap this up, we end with a blessing. May the eternal one bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the eternal lift you up, lift up his countenance to look upon you and give you peace. And we end with our favorite scripture in Proverbs 4 and 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get an understanding. So as we end, 
We want to say, we want to praise him. We want to lift him up. We want to shout hallelujah. We want to, in our spirit, to march around the camp seven times so that all the walls in our lives will come down. All the walls that are not ordained by the father. We praise him for who he is. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is everything in between he is the lily of the valley he is the bright and morning star he is elohim he is jehovah rapha he is jehovah shalom he is el roy e he is the god who sees us he is emmanuel and we could go on and on we just want to praise him for who he is so be blessed today thank you for being a taught one in god in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.